Hey everyone, it's Shahan. One quick note before we start the podcast. As you may have imagined, we recorded this podcast right before, and I mean right before, Texas versus Kansas was postponed. So we will make some reference to it. I did cut out the section where we previewed the Texas versus Kansas game, but uh, for anybody who doesn't know, there are now officially four games postponed in the state of Texas this weekend, not three. So just wanted to make sure that you guys know uh, and make sure that you guys know that we knew, uh, but stick around. We'll be right back with you. Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we got Ishmael Johnson on the line. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up? Have any more games gotten canceled by the time we started this podcast? Uh, I mean, there's not that many left <laughs> to, to get canceled, if we're being perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We It's, it's going to be a short show this week, guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is that we got one of our favorites. Uh, we got Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal jumping on mm-hmm. with us, but... Yeah, uh, if you enjoy college football games in the state of Texas, this is a week that will happen. Uh, yeah. Kind of. well, well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> it's kind sure. of a week that will happen. Um, look, if I'm, we so, really- I'm so zoned in on uh, the state, obviously, for our job that I haven't even looked at, like, what's the net? Is there any, like, national landscape games that are, like, there or... Oh, Indiana, Ohio State. Okay, there's one. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, but that's the new marquee. That, <laughs> I'm looking at that's literally it. Like you got yeah. the Bedlam game. Okay, so sure, that's always Bedlam's good. something Bedlam's significant, good. even though it's kind of lessened a little bit this year with Oklahoma State losing. Um, yeah. But that's it's really like that's it. You got Ohio State, Indiana, and then you have the Bedlam game, and then I'm like, I don't know what I want to watch. <laughs> What I, I can't talk you into Liberty, North Carolina State. I'm sorry, you cannot. <laughs> Liberty can be ranked number one for all I care, and I would not care about their team. Man, it's yeah, it, it's a bad week. Uh, the one thing I'll say though, uh, you know, if, if we want to count quote unquote FBS games, we can always include Abilene Christian, Virginia, and SFA versus Memphis. But... Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, my prediction, both of them will lose those games. Yes. <laughs> we previewed them. We did it. Right. <laughs> but uh, for anybody who doesn't know, if, for anybody who's getting their news from this podcast, uh, which is a dangerous game, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. the three games so far that have been canceled out of the seven, so <laughs> three games canceled, four games at this point to be played, Texas A&M versus Ole Miss. Obviously, Texas A&M missed last week against Tennessee because of contact tracing issues within the program. Uh, the good news is, based, uh, based on what Jimbo Fisher has said, that's just really – there's only two positive cases in the program and one is coming off at this point. So there's only one active player case in the program. Um, you know, it was just all contact tracing, obviously. With road trips, contact tracing becomes way harder. Uh, and so all those players are supposed to return to practice on Sunday. So they will have a full week of practice before I think they get LSU the week after that. Um, but yeah, it's a, so, so they're going to be off this week. The other UTEP UAB, they're going to be uh, off this week. They were scheduled to play in Midland after some stuff that happened last week, but UAB had a 
giant rising cases, so they're not going to be able to play. So UTEP, once again, is not playing football this weekend. Uh, and the third one, SMU versus Houston. So if I'm if I'm to listen to you know Houston people, right? Because Houston's the one who unfortunately had the cases rise. I, I assume that what's mm-hmm. happening is that Houston's scared, right? That that's what I oh sure led yes, to believe. <laughs> made him quit. Yeah, SMU made him quit. Obviously, made SMU him quit, Paul. <laughs> SMU losing a game last week obviously was just too scary for Houston. They uh, they right. you know were just like no thank you I'm out I don't want to. Uh, mm-hmm. The good news about that game especially is that that game should pretty easily be rescheduled for December 12th. So you know no harm no foul. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, which is actually kind of funny because um, you know these two teams have actually done a really good job themselves of uh, of being able to play games like obviously Houston ran into issues early in the year with other people canceling on them mm-hmm. but uh but they hadn't missed one on their own accord as yet and I don't believe that SMU missed one on their own accord as yet they lost TCU early in the year because of TCU but I think this is SMU's first postponement slash cancellation uh on their behalf on, on yeah involving a, an AAC team right so you know, I mean, it happens. It's honestly impressive that they got to this point. The one thing that I will say that is concerning <laughs> is that over the last three weeks, if we assume that all of the games that are scheduled will happen, which obviously is a hell of an assumption, mm-hmm. uh, over the past three weeks, we'd have played 15 games and postponed or canceled nine. Oh, man. Yeah. So. I think that mm-hmm. I think that you know I really thought that you know early in the season we might see a lot of cancellations as teams try to figure this stuff out. It's I, I don't want to say it's been surprising to me because obviously we've seen just massive numbers across the country and you know mm-hmm. it sounds like Halloween was a giant inflection point and you know that Thanksgiving is going to be a giant inflection point, um, but it has been kind of surprising how starting in week 10, you know, the first week of November games have just started flying off, right? Like we've just started losing so many games uh, the last couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see, like, I don't know, like what, what is, the, is there coming a point because we just had, I feel like we're going to have our biggest, like, we're in the, well, one, we're in the midst of another, obviously another surge in cases. Um, after Halloween with Thanksgiving coming up. And so you're going to have those kind of surges, you know, colliding, um, blending together. And then you have the upcoming winter break, right? Where a lot of these college campuses are going to be sending people home. And so you have another potential concurrent surge of cases coming into the fold. And I'm wondering like, okay, what does this mean for bowl season? Like what does, because Again, are you one, you know, just not even considering the fact that, you know, are these bowls going to happen, but just like considering the fact that, okay, are you going to have like these, some teams that are literally just one in three or two in one, like going, you know, like that, the, the, the logistics of that, along with the fact that, you know, how are these, how are they going to justify playing these bowl games, especially in some cities and states where they're not going to have fans? So it's like, are you going to play the, you know, the whatever, the Harley-Davidson Bowl in Columbus, Ohio, you know, with nobody there. And it's like, is that worth it to the sponsor? You know, like things like that where it's like, I don't know, there's so many things on top of like the overall just responsibility of whether or not we should probably have bowls anyway. Um, 
just you know flying teams cross country and things like that which i don't know uh, i feel like te- they'll be if they do have them they'll be smarter about like regional scheduling and things like that but i hope it's just yeah right you, you would think um but still like just the like is it going to be worth it to these sponsors to like play in front of a thousand people if that you know right. to watch central michigan and you know uab i don't know just, I just threw two, two teams together <laughs> <laughs> right well and i mean I do think that obviously from a sponsor perspective, you know, the TV stuff is the big stuff. Um, fair, but, fair. but at the end of the day, though, I think that the bigger question for me is well, also, whether... Well, 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 let's go on that. Like, okay, well, let, let's, you know, TV is the big thing. No one's watching sports right now. Like, <laughs> like everybody's seeing record lows in sports this time of year because I think people are just fatigued of, you know, we, we thought that it would be a reprieve to get all the sports back. And it's like, that's, that's somewhat, that was somewhat true. But like... At the same time, I think there are just there was too many things going on at the same time, like especially over the summer, and people got burned out. I think. Right. Well, and I mean, I do think that that's, I think that that's an interesting point because one, I mean, I think especially over that summer and fall period when everything came back at the same time, I think that mm-hmm. things were just so saturated. Uh, yeah. it, you know, the thing is though, that it's going to be less of that obviously during that Christmas period because you're still talking. Um, I mean, you're still talking. Obviously, the NFL plays once a week baseball is obviously gone the the big thing that is going to be sort of interesting is you do get the nba back but you know i i don't know whether i mean not that they're not competitors with each other they are right. but but you know they, they are sort of different demos to to some extent and you know so i i would imagine viewership's going to be down i want to be clear about that um and right. the other thing too is that i think you're going to lose some marquee matchups because of the scheduling stuff and because of the travel stuff and and also just teams I think you know deciding not to play games and also on top of that by the way teams like Penn State and Michigan also missing bowl games is not going to help Mm -hmm. you know you have to kind of throw that into the mix too so I I don't know I mean I definitely think that it's going to be a negative versus previous years Uh, again for me it's the real question is is what the logistics are for the programs and which ones decide it's worth it. Cause I, I just simply don't think that there are 40 bulls that are worth traveling to this year. Right. Like 100%. I think that, I think that, I mean, if you make a new year's six bowl, I think teams will try to figure it out. Obviously. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, obviously I, at the same time, I mean, there are certain areas uh, that I would rather not travel to, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even for example, like a, like last year I was at the sugar bowl, right. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel the best about going to New Orleans right now, you know, on New Year's. Well, I'm wondering, like, when you look at, like, the big teams, right, who obviously may have had bigger aspirations, like, does Iowa State just call it a season? Right. 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 Like, does, uh, hell, does Texas call it a season if they don't make the Big 12 title game? Right. Like, like, are they going to the Alamo Bowl now? I mean, the the one thing that you say, at least about the Alamo Bowl, is that that's an easy trip, right? Fair. It's an easy trip, but it's like, do you even want to bother like i don't i don't know my opinion i'm just like i don't even know if i want obviously tom herman might because he might want to save the job (laughs) at that point but like you know if they miss the big 12 title game does any texas fan want to see this team anymore for this year oh i mean no they don't i I think that's there's no question about that i mean i think that it's the sort of thing where if you make the liberty bowl right i think you might just say no i think if you uh, is it is it it's not the Camping World Bowl, so is it? I can't remember what the Orlando one is. No, they they so keep changing up that name. Um, okay. But but the one in Orlando is the point. The one that used to be the Wrestle Athletic Bowl. Is it the Cheese Bowl? Is it? I think, sure. I think it's the Cheese Bowl. <laughs> Man, I cannot keep up. I cannot keep up with all these <laughs> names. But you know, I, if you make the Cheese It Bowl, 
Yeah. I mean, God bless no one Jesus, gets, but come on. Right. <laughs> what are we doing here, right? Right, especially, uh, well, I don't know. Okay, considering TCU's game a couple years ago, <laughs> we might want the cheese it Bowl, but. Well, no, no, no. Cheese cheese it, uh, that cheese it Bowl was, was Phoenix. That was a. Uh, oh, that, oh, that's okay. Never mind then. Is okay, it a yeah, never mind. I, I don't know, man. I, again, I can't the sponsors keep Sponsors are weird. We got sponsors. Gasparilla, Motor, Bad Boy, whatever the hell. We got Battle Frog. <laughs> All this stuff. Battle Toad Bowl. I don't know what's happening anymore. But. <laughs> right right so i mean but i think that you know if you're one of the four texas teams and obviously i mean look i think we can be very clear that none of the four texas teams are probably gonna (laughs) are probably gonna go and make a fantastic bowl game but you know if you get the texas bowl or the alamo bowl maybe you just say i'll take the practices and you know it's an easy trip but yeah i mean if you have to go to the liberty bowl if you have to go to you know whatever other bowl right like i think that that starts to come into question and and obviously i think at this point I mean, Texas A&M's in a great spot to make a New Year's Six, even if it's right, right. You know, even if it's not the playoff, obviously. So that's one that you expect to happen, I'd say. But it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, you know, obviously we've still got some time to figure all this out. And obviously we also have to, you know, not have the entire country shut down because of a global pandemic. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we got to take that into account too. So mm-hmm. anyway. That said, uh, let's go ahead and get to our guests. Like I mentioned, we have Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal to come and talk to us about Texas Tech and sort of their sort of mini resurgence last week. So stick around. We'll be right back with you after the break. Please welcome on now a special guest. We got Carlos Silva from over at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, how you doing, man? Fine, and you all. It's a not windy day today. It's sunny, so obviously uh, everything's good. And not only that, but I'm sure you guys will know Texas Tech actually won. So everyone's at least somewhat in a good mood. Yeah, I guess those uh, 40 mile per hour winds from uh, from the game last week. Uh, I, I guess hopefully those have let up a little bit. The winds of change, as like as people like to say, right? <laughs> Well, obviously, Texas Tech heading into the bye week, coming off of a win uh, after a little while. You know, what's kind of the state of the program right now? How are people kind of feeling? It's funny that you and I spoke about this almost this time last week because it seemed like it was in disarray last week. Everyone's questioning, can Matt Wells coach? Should he be coaching? Why is he here? Why are we losing? And then all of a sudden, a big win. Yeah, it kind of slows down some of those thoughts, but I think the big thing is that people are realizing that it, that this is a process with Matt Wells. I mean, he mentioned this early on. Now, granted, I know a lot of people will go back to his press conference where he said it's, a, it's not a rebuild, it's a reload. Yeah, I suppose, but I think he didn't realize how difficult it would be to rebuild what Texas Tech did not have at that point. And I think the, the biggest way I can kind of explain this to maybe people that aren't kind of following it or maybe in tune with it, just look at all the guys that have made plays for Texas Tech this year. Zach McPherson, Colin Schooler. Last time I checked, they did not play for Texas Tech before. They have filled holes on the defense, and that is where Texas Tech has needed desperately some playmakers, and they certainly have found those two guys, and they've certainly made some plays. And not only that, but then I just think uh, the offense has been a little bit up and down this year, and I think that could be due to play calling. I think it's due to the fact that maybe the offensive coordinator, David Yost, doesn't feel like they can get enough time to maybe – get those plays, those long plays to develop. And maybe that's why they're doing all these quick screen passes or, you know, just the, the so do runs, if you will, when you throw the ball left to right. I know people hate hearing that, but I mean, that's technically what they are if you can't run the ball uh, when Sir Roger Thompson's hurt. But certainly they found a way to win against Baylor. I think that's the most important thing is that you know that this coaching staff is at least really wrung as much as they can out of what they've been dealt because 
in a vacuum, if you guys want to imagine this, if you told me your backup quarterback has to come into a game, you're starting to your, your best two punters are out of the game. Your starting kicker is out of the game because you replaced him and you still find a way to win a game, which not only did you win the game, but you won it on a game winning field goal. That's a pretty darn good assessment. I would say for a coaching staff to figure things out. So again, Maybe some people want to look at it on the negative side. I, I choose to look at it from a positive perspective and the fact that they did win. Yes, there have been a lot of negative factors throughout this season that have kind of made it up and down. But I think the one thing you can take away is now you have a staff that is at least keeping the game close. Now they just have to kind of plug in some holes that they've – I think they've identified, and I think I can mention a couple guys that have made plays for them so far this year on defense. And I think that's really what's helped them at least kind of keep the – the uh, the score close and help Texas Tech at least kind of keep things even keel, so to speak. Yeah, you know, one of my theories kind of coming into the year was that I think that for me, one of the things that I looked at was I kind of feel like Cliff Kingsbury's coaching, you know, and his, his insane sort of X's and O's knowledge on offense kind of helped mask some of the holes on the roster and some of the issues that maybe were a little deep-seated. I'm curious, do you kind of see that and do you feel like that's one part of the issue and two, something that they're focused on addressing. I think it's kind of interesting when you look at what Cliff is doing now in the NFL and you realize all he has to do is focus on offense. They're pretty dang good when you have a good defensive coordinator and some guys that kind of deal with uh, the defensive part of things. Not, not to say that Cliff didn't care about defense, but certainly as you guys well know, X's and O's is what he's good at and he's doing that in the NFL. So I think your point is very valid. I, I, I certainly think he found uh, players, maybe like like you said, some guy named Patrick Mahomes that was maybe someone that people overlooked, and he found a way to um, not necessarily mask his uh, mask the non talents he had. He found a way to really uh, explore the things that he had, the the arm angles, kind of everything else. And I think it helped his offense a little bit because he found a guy that could extend the play, could throw a ball on on a loop wherever he was on the field and get it. But I certainly think even before that. When you look at the offenses, and I think that's the one thing that's really the difficult thing for maybe some Texas Tech fans to kind of get their head around is the fact that the defense is starting to play a little bit better than the offense, and the offense is struggling right now. And I think that's really tough for fans to realize. But I think when you look at it, when you look at most of these games, I know one of the one of the things that Don Williams, my coworker, would always talk about is can Matt Wells win that big game? Because they, for a majority of his tenure, they've kept things close one or two score possessions but they just couldn't close it out you finally thought they did something with West Virginia when they got that victory again I hate to bring this up because it's a kick to the groin for some of it, for some fans but Texas you let them in the fourth quarter Kansas State you let them in the fourth quarter but again the whole reason that that happened you let off some big plays on defense and I think that's due to the fact that the offense has just been not there it's been sputtering the defense has been on the field for so long. And at some point, you're going to give up a big play if, you, if your guys are tired. Because I think another thing people don't realize, if you look at special teams, Matt Wells is a huge proponent about putting your best players on special teams. So you'll see TJ Vasher. You'll see Krishan Merriweather. You may see Rico Jeffers on there. So they, those guys not necessarily are playing just all those snaps on defense. You have those snaps on, on special teams, and that's going to add up. Yeah. I'm wondering, like – when, when Matt Wells was hired, it was clear that Tech was trying to make an identity change, right? They, they go from, you know, Kingsbury, who couldn't win but was liked. Obviously, people liked them. They, they had nothing against – he's obviously a former player, things of that nature. 
And so when you bring in a guy like Matt Wells, who a lot of people scratch their head as like, okay, the oh, Utah State head coach, this is weird. I'm wondering, like, what was the initial compare compare the the I guess the the uh, opinion now to the initial response because. I feel like when they looked into Matt Wells, it was kind of like, okay, well, let's give this guy a chance. But then, like, when the idea the idea of a rebuild is obviously more beautiful than going through a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Shahan were talking last week about, like, even though, that yes, it is a painful rebuild right now, but guys like Taj Brooks, right, th- that kind of running back doesn't get recruited under Cliff, right? Yeah. You know, I think he is, he is a talent. Uh, a guy who hasn't played that much but should be a playmaker down the road, Loic Fungi, that type of receiver doesn't get recruited under – Cliff Kingsbury these are guys that have talent that are obviously building to something but the fans can't really see the vision right now but we everybody you know yourself included sees what's kind of happening how hard is that to kind of measure with the fans expectations of where they think it should be that's a very loaded question so I'm going to try all those questions (laughs) in there but um in, in terms of your first question about how he was received I think the worst thing that happened for Matt Wells is the fact that they hung on to Cliff so long because they wanted things to go well for him. Mm. Number two, the fact that Cliff didn't really focus on defense, I think really hurt this team for the future after he did uh, decide to, to, or after he was let go, pardon me, and then he went to the NFL. And again, I'll talk about it. Obviously he did pretty well in the NFL because we've all seen all the things that he didn't do well here at Tech. But um the other thing that really hurt Matt Wells initially when this first happened was when it was reported that Dana Holgerson was not given an interview. Mm-hmm. I think that really stung a lot of Texas Tech fans, some boosters that felt like, well, why aren't we staying in the tree? Why aren't we, you know, kind of sticking with someone that has Texas Tech ties? And I think that was the other thing that really hurt. One, because you had a guy that you knew could potentially do something. You saw what he did at West Virginia. Obviously, he's doing some things at Houston right now, but I think with uh, Kirby Hokut, and you kind of brought it up, Ish, is the fact that he wanted to make sure that he, that he had a coach. And he specifically said this, focused on all three phases of the game, not just offense. He mentioned offense, defense, special teams. And I think the other thing that's kind of interesting that is very rare these days, and, I, and uh, you guys could probably correct me if I'm wrong, but when was the last time a head coach brought his entire coaching staff to his new spot? Like, that is very rare. And granted, there's continuity that's all great and stuff, and he obviously had the offseason to recruit. But I think that was the one thing that may have helped that first year a little bit. I know, again, we're having the ups and downs this year, which uh, as much as I hate to use it as a crutch, but, I mean, it is happening. COVID-19 is a huge deal as to why some of these other teams are struggling too. You can look at some of the other teams in the country, and they are struggling as well, whether that's not playing a football game, not having a star player play for you, look at – Uh, Clemson and what happened with them. Um, And then to kind of go to your point about the recruits, I think when you look at it in a vacuum, I know Don did a story about this, so I'm going to probably be wrong with some of these stats because I I did read it very quickly when I read it, but they may be ranked as a whole low in the Big 12 and in the country, but if you look at a recruit-by-recruit star ranking, they are much better and they are ranked a lot higher when you do that. And, of course, Don being the number guy that he is kind of went back and kind of did all that, so he kind of ranked it. And I honestly can't remember, but if I'm not mistaken, they may have been fourth in the Big 12 in terms of ratings, in terms of their recruits. And you, you, you talk about it. When you not only look at those recruits that they're bringing in, of course, Baron Morton's going to be the guy that everyone's talking about going into next year. But 
You mentioned Loic Fungi, Jalen Polk, Taj Brooks. I can keep on going down the list as to how many guys that are freshmen that are hitting the field, which is, again, something that happened back in the day when Cliff was there. Jordan Brooks didn't really kind of step in up until he was a junior senior because he even mentioned it to us when we asked. He just wasn't big enough. Yes, he still had a good frame coming out of high school, but you still have to bulk up a little bit. You still have to get used to the Big 12 play and kind of all those things. And I think those are the other small things that you're talking about is just you see the potential. You see Jalen Polk making a big play uh, a couple weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. You see Loke Fungi. Yes, he is on the field. Sometimes he may not get a target or something, but you know that he would not have been on the field if he didn't earn it. That's one thing Matt Wells always talks about. All these guys earn their reps, whether or not they get targeted or thrown, th thrown the ball. They earn that time to be on that field. So they do know that they can make a play there. And I think Taj Brooks is certainly someone that, man, I mean, when you looked at the, the, the running back room earlier on, it was just Roderick Thompson. And all of a sudden they had to bring some guys in, Taj Brooks being one of them. Uh, Jadarius Townsend was the other one, the transfer from Alabama. And then you had to move Xavier White, a guy that you thought was going to be really good at the wide receiver position, to running back. And, again, it's just this coaching staff just figuring things out on the fly as most everyone else is during this COVID-19 situation. And I believe I answered everything, but I think to kind of wrap it all together, I think the one thing that you can look at is initially, I think everyone wanted to give Matt Wells a chance, but I really think the, the, the things that have hurt, which mo mostly every head coach can kind of figure out, people want to see wins and they just haven't seen enough wins from Matt Wells yet. And I think the one that really, really hurt, and I, I know Texas fans are really hurt by it too, but when you lose to Kansas, it's just, it's just a really – it's a new bad taste in your mouth and and it reverberates for a little bit now granted was it matt wells's fault he took all the blame for it he said he, he should have coached it up should have done all this because they, they do work on that as he mentioned before during that time when when that did happen with, with the block kick and obviously the the craziness that happened afterward but i think the the one thing that people can take away is that this team is not ill prepared and i think the fact that sir Roderick thompson slid in that previous game and the win over baylor Yes, may that upset some people? Absolutely. But you know what? Matt Wells was very 100% truthful after the postgame when he was asked about it by, if I'm not mistaken, it was Don. And I think he, to paraphrase what he said, we've made mistakes, but the one thing you can say is we've learned from them. And I don't know if he was alluding to it, but a lot of Tex Texas Tech fans may remember that game against Texas. So Roderick Thompson had the same exact type of play, broke away, Scored the touchdown. They were up. Uh, I can't remember. It was 14 or 17 points with about three three minutes left. Had he slid, they would have kept the ball. They could have run out the clock, and they would have not had to worry about Texas kind of doing what they did. And I think that was the the other important thing that was brought up by Colin Schooler, Zach McPherson, and I can't remember who else was there. I believe it was Alan Bowman, and uh, I can't remember uh, the other person. And Jonathan Garibay. There, there you go, Jonathan Garibay. Thank you. I, I should remember he made a kick, right? Um <laughs> But, yeah, the, the one thing about about that that the players brought up, and I'm sure this is something that may reverberate with fans, is that they said they didn't want to give Baylor another chance. Whether or not it's 30, 40 seconds, I believe it was 32 seconds that, that, that or 38 seconds when he slid, they didn't want to give him a chance. They wanted to be the ones in control. Now, granted, obviously, you don't want to miss the field goal when that happens, but <laughs> the, 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 the fact of the matter is they had the opportunity. They put themselves in position to do all. And I think that's the thing that they wanted to do. They didn't want to put the ball out of their hands this time. So last question from us, uh, you know, obviously 
like we've talked about, Matt Wells talked a lot about building culture. He talked a lot about being developmental uh, from right from the beginning of coming in. Um, and, and you mentioned them, not kind of seeing these wins early. From your perspective, how do you sort of judge whether progress is happening and do you feel like it is? I mean, early on, it was kind of tough because here's the thing about Texas Tech. And, and again, I may get flamed for this, but sometimes you pad your non-conference schedule to make it look like you're a lot better than what you did. And I could say that a lot for maybe the Mike Leach years for a little. I know, again, I may get flamed for that, but yeah. it happened too during Cliff's tenure. If you add another non-conference schedule opponent that maybe is like a, you know, a non-Power 5 guy, you could look at five to six wins this year as well if you really look at it that way. Now, the one way I do to answer your question is how they are playing Big 12. And the last time Texas Tech has won another Big 12 home game, again, Baylor, it's been a while since Baylor's been at Texas Tech, but a couple home games like that that are not Kansas, Matt Wells owns two of those wins. I believe in the last like 10 or something years. So again, it's not to say that Matt Wells, and again, you can make stats look however you want. I get that. But when you consider the whole picture, which is how I look at things, Texas Tech hasn't been that good over the last decade. I think you have to clean the windshield, as a lot of coaches like to say, and just look at it from this prism and what Matt Wells has done. Yes, has he not won a lot of games? Absolutely, you can say that. But the thing is, is that he is keeping his team in games, which is something that, at least from my perspective, was not done prior because you didn't have a good enough defense to slow down the opposing offenses. Yes, your offense was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Best offense I've ever seen under Cliff Kingsbury, certainly. David Yost obviously has not been the best offense so far. But you know what? That defense has kept them in long enough to, as what happened last week, you can get a big victory with the game-winning field goal. And I think that's the way that I can kind of see this progress, so to speak, is yes, it's not the way that people would like to see it because everyone is this ADD, fast food, I want it now. Sometimes you got to wait to enjoy the success. And I think the best way that I can do that is to kind of make a little bit of a uh, comparison. And I'm sure you guys are well aware of some guy named Chris Beard. His first year wasn't that great either. I mean, he, he didn't make the uh, NCAA tournament his first year. Obviously, he was upset about it. Weren't that many fans in the stands at that point. But then all of a sudden, once you start winning, people kind of forget about that. And I think that may happen. I don't know if it'll happen in his third year, but certainly I think Kirby Hokut's going to give Matt Wells at least three or four years to kind of figure things out. And I think once you get the recruits in, I think Baron Morton's going to make a difference. I think some of the other guys that they're bringing in are going to make a difference. And I think that's one thing that you can take away from Matt Wells is he's kind of doing what – Chris Beard did, which is he's figuring out a culture, which I believe they've built now in the in the last couple years that he's been here. They've plugged up holes that they know that they have, which there are a lot more holes to plug up in football than basketball. Let's make that clear as well. So that's why it's a little bit quicker in basketball. But I certainly think that things are on the up and up. It's just it's not as quick as most people would like. And I think that's the other frustration for some fans. Well, you can read all of Carlos Silva's work in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. You can follow him on Twitter at CM Silva Jr. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you all. Always, always good to be with you guys. Thanks again to Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Always great stuff from him. But let's go ahead and preview these four football games. <laughs> sure. Let's run through them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, look, 
our job is to be excited about Texas college football. It's going to be a tough week this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a tough week this week. Um, worth noting, uh, the three, three of the four Big 12 teams in this state, Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech, are on by. So, like, mm-hmm. we don't even get to, like, see that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, like I mentioned, UTEP is postponed. So let's just, we're just going to work with what we have right now. And we're going to start at 1 p.m. on ESPN3 with Rice at North Texas. So I do actually think that this is my favorite game of the weekend. Um, Sure. You know, which this weekend isn't saying a whole lot, but I do, I am actually legitimately interested in this game, mostly Mm -hmm. because we've seen so little of Rice. And Obviously, on the other side, you know, it's been five weeks since we've seen North Texas play. So I think that there's a lot of unknowns because we saw North Texas start to figure things out, right? We saw them Mm -hmm. start to build some momentum and start to get some stops defensively. And then again, they they lose five weeks. And so I'm very curious to see, you know, is North Texas, what they did that last week against uh, Middle Tennessee, was that legit? Was that really sort of the direction that they're going to go, especially offensively? And on the flip side, you know, Rice, can Mike Collins keep this up? Can, uh, can their defense keep playing at the level that they've been playing at? And, and again, what was the real Rice team? Was it the team that we saw week one that kind of struggled down the stretch? Or was it the team that we saw week two that has the ability to suffocate and dominate people? Right. I think that the big question in this one, like like you mentioned with um, North Texas kind of finding a new identity with Jason Bean, right? Him just absolutely opening up the running game against Middle Tennessee. You know, Rice, that's Rice's thing, right? They want, they want to be able to stop the run on defense, and they're pretty good at it. And so I think in both of their games, I think they held Southern Miss and um, Middle Tennessee to under four yards a carry. I think maybe even like around three and a half. Um and so I'm wondering, like, okay, you have strength on strength, essentially. Yes. But obviously, I think that North Texas has the big playability with Jalen Darden over the top. What – I'm trying to figure out, like, what gives, right? Does, does right. North Texas get shut down to where they kind of become one more one-dimensional? And I, I don't – as much as, you know, I love, we both like Jalen Darden and think he's probably the best player in this game, I think that – making Jason Bean into a one-dimensional player is where North Texas got off to a bad start this season. And it, I think Rice is the perfect opponent to see if what we saw against Middle Tennessee is an indication of where North Texas is. Because if they come out and they rush for 300, you know, averaging five, five and a half yards a carry or something like that, then okay, this is a new identity. Jason Bean really has something going with his offense. If not, and we see, you know, him throw for what under 50 percent completion and rushing for three yards of carry and you know Siggers doesn't get going and Tory doesn't get going and it's like okay well it was just kind of a flash in the pan right and you mentioned this being strength on strength uh mm-hmm. you know North Texas still at this point I believe has a top five offense in college football yeah and you know Rice in their first two games again two games against two teams that aren't great like I, I right. do want to emphasize that but still you know, they held those teams to 3.2 yards per carry, like you mentioned. They're number 17 nationally right now in rushing defense at 109 yards per game. And they do have the defensive backs that can cause some issues for a team like North Texas. Uh, obviously, North Texas receivers can win those one-on-one battles because they're really good. But, 
you know, again, like you mentioned, can Jason Bean be consistent throwing the ball? Can he take the top off? Can, you know, it's, it's just, I think that those are going to be some of the questions that decide the game. And the other thing that I'll mention too, right, is that you go strength on strength. I think that North Texas's offense is better than Rice's defense. Mm-hmm. Probably so, but, yeah. yeah. But when you go weakness on weakness, I know mm. that Rice's offense is significantly better than at least what we've seen from North Texas's defense so far. Good point. So I actually, I do think it's going to be interesting which strength win, wins out, but I, I kind of think that, and again, this is assuming that what we've seen from both these teams, these teams so far is representative, which by the way, we can guarantee it's not. <laughs> we can mm-hmm, guarantee right. that we have not seen enough of either of these teams to actually know a whole lot about them. Mm-hmm. But based on what the, we've the seen other... so far, yeah, based yeah. on what we've seen so far, I think that actually it's the weakness on weakness battle that could present the issue for North Texas. Mm-hmm. I was looking a little bit because we don't know, like you mentioned, you know, Rice has only played two games. Um, I was looking at last year a little bit because they do have quite a bit of their same guys from last year um, on this defense. And we thought it was a pretty solid defense last year. Definitely. They arguably had, I'm looking at the numbers on football outsiders right now. All of these metrics were top 30 defensive line. And yeah. so far this year, they're roughly top 20 to top 15 on the defensive line. And so <laughs> yes. it is, that is, that is a lot more impressive. Again, two games. So sure. But based off last year, that's a mar. that's a very realistic improvement to, 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 to not just say, Oh, it's just two games. Right. I think that where they, from where they were last year to what they flashed so far this year, that's a very reasonable trajectory for them to assume that they're probably in the 20 to 25 ish range of in the country. Yeah. And Again, the thing that I'll mention about Rice, too, is that it's been two games. we got to keep mentioning that. But, sure. uh, but you know, they are a top 50 offense right now, right? Uh-huh. Which, which is like, you know, it's, it's not elite, right? Like, North Texas, I, I looked it up, it's number two, right? They're still right. number two in the country. Well, also, take, take into account last year, like, that's an improvement for Rice because I don't think Rice put together a two-game stretch anywhere right. near these, these past two games. Right, right, right. Uh, the flip side of that is out of 126 teams, North Texas is 124th in defense. Yeah, so. man, this is, yeah. We, we mentioned like, you know, COVID obviously canceling games and all that stuff, but it's like, yeah, yeah. man, North Texas has been just destroyed this year from injury to COVID to everything. They weren't that great of a unit anyway. And like, yeah. they've had the unluckiest season on top of also not being that good. You know? 100%. <laughs> so that's, that's the tough thing, man. It's tough. I, I think I'm going to pick Rice to win uh, for, for the record. ESPN did not have a line on this game, but you look kind of other places. It was Rice minus one. So basically a pick em. I, I think Rice is likely the better team. But I'll tell you what, again, I don't know what's going to happen, and that's what makes this game kind of fun. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go North Texas because I, w- I want to believe that that running game we saw was, was, was um, uh, Seth Latrell finding a new wrinkle and finding exactly what makes Jason Bean and this offense click. All right. Well, moving on. Next up, 2 p.m. on ESPN Plus, we've got UTSA at Southern Miss. UTSA is a nine-point favorite in this game. And does Southern Miss still have their head coach? Or at least their, the one that was acting at the one. time. As yes. far as I know, they, they do have their third coach. A former, by the way, Texas High School football coach in, uh, in Tim Billings from Paris North Lamar. Oh, okay but uh, yeah yeah yeah. he he was mostly at the college level and then like for like a year or two he he coached at the high school level as a head coach and then uh promptly got another job so but but technically technically he is a part of the Texas high school football family so uh, that said 
he's going against like the dawn of those guys and i was gonna say like so naturally he's gonna be slapped around by jeff trailer (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i don't think this one's i don't want to say this one's gonna be a blowout because i mean utsa doesn't blow anybody out this year but i just don't think this one's gonna be like a game where you're ever where it's in doubt at any time because if last week is any indication of what of them figuring something out without sincere McCormick, like, oh my goodness, that's kind of dangerous. Um, especially for a Southern Miss team that's still kind of sputtering in some spots. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, even, even like, not even including last week's game, like, Josh Atkins is healthy. So, like, if Frank Harris played poorly, I think UTSA would have come out and just looked fine anyway. Yeah, um, I do think it will be a blowout. I do think okay, go for that it. Southern Miss doesn't do anything well enough to take advantage of UTSA. And I think that sure. UTSA does a number of things well enough to take advantage of, of Southern Miss. Cause Southern Miss, I mean, especially obviously since losing, not just their first, but also their second head coach, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, they've looked really pretty disastrous. Uh, obviously getting dominated by Rice 30 to six, uh, only scoring seven points against Western Kentucky in a loss. Uh, even against what is that Northern Arizona, I think, um, you know, not playing very well. Like, I don't know. I just, (laughs) do you know how many passing yards, uh, Southern Miss's leading quarterback had last week? Oof. Uh, I'm going to say like 110, something around there. 67. So, oh, cool. That's definitely yeah. not the number I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, they, they're running the ball okay. Uh, you know, they, they do have Frank Gore Jr. in there, so you can never count them out. But, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, it's, it's just been a real struggle for, uh, for Southern Miss the last couple of weeks. I don't actually know what happened to Jack Abraham, by the way, because uh, he is no longer starting at quarterback. I don't know if he's injured or if he's just had enough. But um, <laughs> he's just done. <laughs> I mean – I'll tell you what, he's a good player. I am pretty shocked that uh, that they haven't – oh, okay, he's sitting out the rest of the season, so he's just had enough. <laughs> he's just literally, quite literally just said that's enough. <laughs> no, he lost you. his second head coach. He's like, all right, that's, that's, a, that's a Jerry Seinfeld gif of him leaving. He's like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> and listen, again, I think that I think that Jack Abraham – doesn't get enough respect for for how good he is and mm-hmm. they have managed to get absolutely nothing out of that right. this year so yeah it's a it's a tough one Let, let's put it like that I think that UTSA is going to you know sort of like what they did against UTEP last week I think they're just going to feel this opportunity I think that they're gonna try to go downfield uh, a little bit more like they did last week and um, look, Sincere McCormick should be back this week. They obviously ran all over UTEP last week, and I have no idea why we wouldn't expect them to run over Southern Miss this week. Yep, uh, I basically think the same thing. <laughs> all right, uh, these last two are brutal. Um, so <laughs> we got Texas State versus Arkansas State, 2 p.m. on ESPN3. Uh, by the way, three games, not one on network TV at this point. <laughs> Uh, Arkansas State is a six-point favorite in this game. Um, By the way, I don't think we—I don't think that we've addressed this. Tyler Vitt apparently out for the year. Yes, Tyler Vitt uh, separate or dislocated his wrist uh, Saturday against Georgia Southern. Uh, Drew King at the uh, San Marcos Daily Record tweeted that out yesterday, I believe. Um, Yeah, so I mean, only two games, so they're—you know—even if it wasn't season-ending on paper, like there's no reason to rush him back for two games in a lost season. Um, you know, so it is the Brady McBride show. 
uh, for here on out. And yeah, so I think Arkansas State covers comfortably. Uh, they haven't looked <laughs> that great, but I don't. I don't know what 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 has Texas State done recently to you know warn them not cover or you know covering that spread. I don't know. I just feel well, that. Well, to, to be fair, they played they against looked, a better they, Georgia Southern team last. They week looked. They looked. They looked good. They looked good. But again, like this is a team that's that's marred in like just I don't want to say like bad luck, but just like things just go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I it, it would just fit completely in the narrative just to be like, yeah, you know what? They're you know Arkansas State gets it together against Texas State. Like it would <laughs> it would be right in line with the narrative of this season to be like, oh, you mean the team that you know couldn't beat a couldn't it looked terrible against Troy and looked terrible against App and you know things like had to kind of struggle against Central Arkansas yeah they just get it together against Texas State <laughs> like I don't know I'm uh, call me a pessimist whatever um yeah whatever they they cover <laughs> Arkansas State so by the way Texas State doesn't have a commit for 2021 things is going great really Wait, Yo, it, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it right. I'm gonna look it up right now. You can talk. I will bring. I will look that up right now. Last that, time I checked, they did not ever commit. That that can't be real. I, I'm worried that it's real, but that can't be real. <laughs> Go ahead, say, say your thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah not. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Look at that right now. Two four seven. Not a single commit oh my, for 2021. Oh Future looks God. great. Anyway, go on, Arkansas. What? I'm gonna lie down right now on my. What? Right that is. <laughs> okay, so this this should be an opportunity this should be a game that texas state is very motivated for i I think that we're going to learn a lot about you know the the level of fight i guess is the only way that i can put it left in this team because after this game because you look at arkansas state right after this game they have south alabama ulm incarnate word right like those are three games that are not just winnable but that they should win uh you know even even if they're only okay and then on Texas State's side, this is it. This is the season. Um, next up, they got Coastal, and that's yeah, going to go. <laughs> that's going to go Jack, real Jack poorly. Is that, uh, is, uh, he's interviewing and trying to impress South Carolina. They're not winning that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jamie Chadwell could not show up, and they and Coastal will still win the game. <laughs> but uh, but not not because of Texas State, because Coastal's really good as well. But uh, but yeah, anyway, you can say it. It's fine. <laughs> Listen, man, I respect every team that plays football in the state of Texas because I have to. <laughs> You're not the one that has to write the team preview trying to figure out what the hell this team's going to be next year. <laughs> so I think that, again, I, I think that this is going to be a spot where Texas State's going to be very motivated. I think that the coaches are going to uh, – I, I think they're going to try to throw everything at this game. I think that the players are going to try to throw everything at this game. Um, I think that it helps that this game is at home, so they're going to be more comfortable, you know, in, in a home environment. I think that, you know, knowing who the quarterback's going to be, I think will be at least some help. Uh, for- that definitely will play a part because I know it's been confusing to just yeah, continually yeah. alternate. And and look, I mean, I know that it's been just such a frustrating year. I mean, I've I've <laughs> written about it extensively. I've tweeted about it extensively. Like, it's been such a frustrating year for Texas State. But again, they they are improved right? Like they are mm-hmm. improved. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of, of when this happened. 
last year or the year before, but there, there have been teams that I've seen, right, where it's like they're improved and you just are waiting for it to show that they're improved. And eventually one game, it finally just comes together and they just play well, right? Like, I mean, this isn't the greatest example, but like it reminds me like UTEP two years ago, they just kept every game close. And you're like, one of these weeks, right? They have to get through. And then against Rice, they got through and played really well, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that they have one good game in them and they better show it this week. And, uh, and again, Arkansas State's not great, right? Like, Arkansas State has really struggled. When we, when we talk about Texas State, you know, not covering and losing this game, like, this is about Texas State struggling. This is not about Arkansas State being any good. Uh, so, look, Arkansas State's only one in four in conference, and their one win was a 59-52 win over Georgia State. So, this isn't, this isn't a good team. So, if <laughs> Texas State can put one game together, just one. That's all I'm asking for. Put one game together. I think that we can feel a whole lot better about where things are headed into 2021. What is the irony that I think there's been like two teams that haven't had a game postponed or canceled? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and one of them is the team that's one and nine. <laughs> it's well, just like the team yeah. that could use a bye week, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a random yeah. bye week here and there. It's just like, no, hey, we'll take out your quarterback, but we're not going to take out – we're not going to postpone the game. <laughs> yeah, this has been uh, – I, I don't know, man. I think that for, – forget about uh, forget about trying to find something to write about, man. I think that you could write a whole book on just how, like, not even snake bit. Snake bit's not even the right word. It's just right. – it's, it's been like a <laughs> – the only way I can think to describe it is a waking nightmare. Like, th- that's yeah. what this season has been. Everything has gone wrong, but they've been forced to live through it. really I mean I I said this last week but I truly do believe this that Texas State headed into 2021 I think that they are poised to really have some things pulled together and and you know potentially be much improved but this has just been unbelievable I mean just unbelievable honestly I don't know any other word to describe it so yeah also worth noting um, that that ULM, you know, we've talked about them being one of the worst teams in America. Oh, geez. They, uh, they lost to this team dominantly. Yep. They then lost to UTEP dominantly, and UTEP only has uh, – their only other wins are against FCS opponents. Now, again, I think that both those teams are way better than their record. But, mm-hmm. like, holy crap, ULM. What the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we go – there are only four options, obviously, this week, or I guess five, you know, with, with, the, with two teams, um, two Texas teams playing against each other. Mm-hmm. But what team could use some help from North Texas Honda dealers? Ooh. I'm going to go with, let's see, last week I said, I said Georgia Southern, right? Or no, because they were going to run all over the place with Texas State. <laughs> yes, um, they need help getting carried to the end. But yeah, they need like massages and stuff <laughs> hey, like that. Hey, man, look, they proved you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they did prove me wrong. Um, I mean, they still scored a lot, I guess. So <laughs> it's more of the right. defense. <laughs> right. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going I'm to stay, stay on topic to our last subject. I'm going to say Texas' offensive line. Because if they look bad against Kansas, we got problems. We, love, we got real, real problems. I'm going to say Texas offensive line gives some Honda helpers because they just, just need a little bit of a jolt. Just need a little bit of a jolt. Show out. Cosme, show out that you're, you're a first-round pick. You know, uh, show these guys that 
you should be winning by 30. I don't think you're going to, but you know, you should be. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Texas State because they need all the hands that they can get this week because they need to win this football game. Like, That's fair. I'm not saying that this is. I mean, look in a in a one win season, you're way past the point of having must win games. Like you just are, obviously. Mm-hmm. But and, and also, I mean, first of all, Texas State does not have the money to fire Jake Spavel, nor should they. Obviously, I mean, they, that shouldn't be a consideration. But you know, if you're gonna prove that you're heading in any sort of direction this has to be the game where you prove it, right? Like you have to sure. win this game just, just to prove that this is getting better. Cause, sure. cause again, I mean, I, I, I've harped on it all season. Their schedule is terrible. It's awful, right? Like they, they got put in a terrible situation. And on top of that, they had some terrible luck to start the year, obviously, even just with the whole quarterback situation, right? If Brady McBride's <clears throat> the guy the entire year, maybe things go a little differently. I don't know, but um, or even if Tyler Bitt's the quarterback to start the whole year, who knows? But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, look, you're here at this point. You're in the penultimate game. I, this is game number 11, I guess, right? Because they actually are going to make it to 12, it looks like. Um, you have to show something. You have to show us that you can go out there and beat decent teams. Because Arkansas State's not good, right? Like, Arkansas State is not like, – like, again, I'm, I'm not asking you to go and compete against Coastal. Like, I expect you to get blown out against Coastal, and that's fine. That's totally fine. But, uh, but you have to show me one good thing in the latter half of this year because I can't just be saying, well, you almost competed against Boston College. That's not right. good enough to, to leave this season with. You looked good for two drives against BYU. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, look, they, they've done a great job of looking good for two drives in a lot of these games. And then, <laughs> right. and then it's like, oh, man, we're out of scripted plays. So anyway, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure and pick up a copy of the basketball magazine at textbasketball.com. We're going to have games right around the corner. It's exciting. I can't wait. Uh, for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Uh, make sure and follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sucks Football. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at DCTFCFB and become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us and we'll be back with you guys again on Sunday.